are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. It seems that there was a man who was uh, selling a push, uh, a push lawnmower at a garage sale. And a pastor came along, and he looked at the mower, and he thought, well, this would be good for me. So he said to the man, he said, does uh, this thing work? And he said, oh, yes, it works. So uh, he, he uh, checked the tank, and there's a little bit of gas in it, so he started pulling on the cord, pulled and pulled and pulled, nothing happened. And he said to the guy, he said, I thought you said this works. He said, this, this won't start. And uh, he said, well, that's because, the man said, well, that's because you've got to cuss it. And, and, the, and the pastor said, well, he said, I've been a pastor for 18 years now, he said, and I haven't cussed. He said, well, sir, he said, just keep pulling, he said, and it'll come back to you. <laughs> the problem is that sometimes old habits do come back to us, even when we've been serving God for a long, long time. Amen? But we need to be led by the Spirit in order to keep those old habits from coming back. When we walk in the flesh, uh, we will fulfill the desires of the flesh. Today I want to take a close look at this passage uh, of uh, uh, chapter 3 of James, chapter 3 to 1 to 18. And I'm going to have to do some fancy work if I'm going to get through this, these 18 verses. But let's see what we can do anyway. Okay, um, James chapter 1, verse 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, uh, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. And uh, that is a, a very sobering uh, fact, and it doesn't seem to really fit in with the rest of the, uh, of the chapter, but it is also dealing with the tongue, isn't it? You know, and so we need to make certain that we're teaching the Word of God. It is the Word of God that sets people free. It's the Word of God that is truth. And so if we resort to speaking what we heard somebody else say, and we haven't checked it out with the Word, we can be giving man's opinion rather than God's Word, which is truth. And so we always, sometimes we can hear some things that sound so good. We can dance and shout and clap our hands over it, but if we check it out with the Word, sometimes it's a bit skewed. And so if I choose to teach others, I will be held accountable for what I teach. So I would be wise to teach God's Word rather than man's words. So my opinion is not worth very much if it's not based on biblical principles. In the context of James, he is specifically speaking of controlling the tongue. My tongue must speak facts and truth rather than opinion. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for we could, if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. 
I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation today. Uh, this would indeed show some incredible spiritual maturity if we could really control our tongue. Wisdom dictates that we surrender our tongue to God. That's a way to make sure that we do not uh, uh, get in trouble. And of course, that takes walking in the Spirit. That's staying in the Spirit. And that's not easy to do. Living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit are things that are men and women who uh, dedicate their life to Christ are capable of doing. It's amazing how we can, how we can uh, uh, be led by the Spirit and allow our tongue, surrender our tongue to be, to be uh, ordered by God rather than by our flesh. And so the first point I want to make today is uh, the power of words. Words shape and define our lives. The Bible clearly tells us that what we say is very important. In Mark chapter 11, verse 21 to 24, uh, Peter, uh, you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And so it follows on the next day. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and explained, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen, and have no doubt in your heart. That's true faith. That's real faith. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive them, it will be yours. And we don't always believe that. Let's be honest. If we did, we would have a lot more than we have right now. And, and the King James and the New King James says, you, if you will have what you say. Uh, here Jesus teaches us a valuable lesson, not only about words, but about, the, but about the principles of faith that is associated with our words. If you want to be in the, his perfect will and see what God's word says, concerning your situation. Then you can say what God's word says about it, and it will be done. Everything that we do and say, if we want results according to the promises of God's word, we have to speak what God's word says. If you go outside of that, you may not get what you say. Amen? I read a story a couple of, of a couple who were trying to sell their land. For a whole year, they would often say, we're never going to sell that land. And so then they heard, heard this kind of a teaching, and, the, and they began to, to apply these principles in their speaking concerning their land, and within a year, it sold. You see, God's word is true. Our words can direct or hinder us and others. James illustrates a bit, a rudder, and a spark. In James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, he says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want to by the means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. 
even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. But I want to tell you that God can. Amen? Surrender your tongue to God, and you will find that the filthy stuff that is capable of coming out of your mouth, even if you are a born-again Christian, will cease and you will be speaking things that will lift you up, lift others up, edify rather than tear down. Amen? So see, he says, sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water, uh, water bubble out of, with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Oh, praise God. You know, it is true. No man can, ch- can tame the tongue, but God can. We'll give our tongue to him. We surrender our speech to him. And it's amazing what God can do. I was a terrible cursor before I received Jesus into my heart. I would just, it would make you sick to hear me when I would get angry, the things that would come out of my mouth. But when Jesus came into my heart and I surrendered my tongue, it had to be an act of my will to surrender my tongue to him. And when I did that, almost immediately, within weeks, my conversation changed completely. Joel Osteen tells a story of a guy who joined a monastery. For three years, he said, he was given a probation period where he was not to speak at all, but at the end of each year, he could say two words. The first year, he said, bed hard. At the end of the second year, he said, food cold. And at the end of the third year, he said, I quit. And the head priest said, that doesn't surprise me. All you've done since you've been here is complain. (laughs) Our words can destroy or hinder us. Once the word is gone from our mouth, gone out of our mouth, you cannot take it back. And sometimes we can be genuinely sorry and say we're sorry and apologize But there's something about those words that cut and wound, and it's hard to get rid of it. Words can cut and injure and ruin and destroy. But words can also heal and encourage and edify and bring hope and bring peace. 
And that's what we want to come out of our mouth. That is why James says, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. When I was a boy in grade school, there was a story in a, one of our, our textbooks. And uh, it tells of a woman who was in a village who maliciously gossiped about another woman and her family. And then she found out that the things that she had thought about this woman and spoke about her was completely wrong. So she went to the wise man of the village and said, what can I do to take back what I have done? And he said, I want you to go home and I want you to kill some of your chickens and pluck them and put the feathers in a bag. And then on your way, bring them, then come back to me. And he said, on your way, take the bag with you. And, and as you go, I want you to sprinkle those feathers and then come to me and I'll give you further instruction. She came to the wise man of the village and said, I have done all that you've said, sir. And he said, okay, now I want you to go back and pick up every one of those feathers. Astonished, she looked at him and said, that can't be done, sir. The wind will have get, we've blown those feathers all throughout the, the community and way beyond. I cannot do that. And he said, Madam, that's the same as it is with your words. Once it is spoken, you cannot get it back. And it is, it is a, a, a very simple story, but it was teaching us as children, even at that age, to be careful what you say. Because it's important that once your word is out, you can't get it back. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have power or ability to build up or to tear down. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 and 30 says, Don't use foul language or abusive language. Let everything you say be, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow or grief to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. We're God's people. We're God's children. And we need to do things and say things that are honoring to God. The word of God is clear in the Old and the New Testament. When we use words that tear down people rather than build them up, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And God is not pleased if our words are not building up the body of Christ. We need to pray the prayer of the psalmist. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, or my rock, my strength, my redeemer. Our words reveal our heart and can devastate or delight others. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. What you say 
flows from what is in your heart. What is in the well, an old proverb says, comes up in the, in the bucket. What is in the tree comes out in the fruit. Proverbs 25, 11 says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. Our words can refresh and encourage someone that is discouraged. Words can give new life to a dead relationship. We are not confined to death and despair over our dreams and our visions. By faith in the word of God, we can speak destiny over our lives. We can speak what God says concerning us. By faith in the word of God. First, Second Corinthians 4.18 says, So we don't look at the trouble that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that are seen now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. True wisdom comes from God. Early in his epistle, you will remember that James exhorts us to seek God for wisdom. By now, we should be aware of the fact that we need God in every situation. Human wisdom and understanding is limited. We cannot tame or control our tongue on our own. We need help. James chapter 3, verse 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. There is wisdom that comes from above, and there's wisdom that comes from below. And here James makes a contrast of the two. Let's look first at where these different kinds of wisdom come from. Wisdom from below. But if you are bitterly jealous, verse 14, if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. James is saying such so-called wisdom do not come from heaven, but comes from earthly things. I'm going to skip a few things here. Over, wisdom over and, uh, from above is this, James 13, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at, at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of the good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. That's wisdom. Man, how different our lives could be if we practice wisdom from God's word. Here's the big difference. Wisdom from above comes from reason. Wis uh, <laughs> wait now. Wisdom from below comes from reason. Okay? And uh, wisdom from above comes from revelation by the Holy Spirit. And so when we try to reason things out, we're going to be going by our own human understanding. 
and sometimes not really our own understanding, but the understanding of somebody else. It sounds good, and so we, we take it and run with it. These are not natural attributes. These are spiritual. It comes as revelation to the new creation in Christ. Let's read it again. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, and the fruit of good, work, all of good deeds. And it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And we all have to agree that we have not always adhered to the wisdom from above. Too often, we resort to our own understanding and get ourselves in a lot of trouble, unnecessary trouble. The results tell the story. Wisdom from below produces awful fruit. James first, chapter 3, verse 16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Remember the truth of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 30, 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Wisdom from above in James chapter 3, 18 says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness, right living. Seeds of peace and a harvest of right living. So in conclusion, here's a challenge for each of us today. Let's plant peace in other people this week. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. Where do we get the idea that we've got to give as good as somebody sends? Where do we get the idea that we have to have the last word? A soft answer turns away wrath. That's what the Bible says. But a harsh word stirs up strife and anger. If someone speaks out of turn to me and I answers in anger because they have offended me, is that right? Is that helping the situation? Not at all. Husbands and wives, remember this. A soft answer turns away wrath. If you follow that, you won't spend so much time in the doghouse. <laughs> but first of all, we need to be at peace with ourselves. When God grows purity and peace in us, then we can plant it in others. But if we've got disruption and turmoil and anger and bitterness and resentment in our lives, and we're answering people on that basis, on that level, we can never deposit peace in somebody else's life. We need peace in our own life first. If the root is right, the fruit will be right. And you have a choice even today. You can follow the ways of the world or you can follow the ways of the word. 
wisdom. So if you're feeling bitter today about something that was said to you or done to you, remember that Jesus paid the price for all those wrongs. He paid the price for the wrongs that you did to somebody else. But he also paid the price for the wrongs that somebody else did to you. The gospel is called good news for everyone. It's good news for me. And it's good news for someone who chooses to be my enemy. Even the person who hurt you. Even the person who hurt me. The person who would try to disgrace you. The person who would try to assassinate your character. The gospel is for them as well. The choice is up to you and me. Claim the promise of James 3.18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that even when we don't have much time to deliver it, your Holy Spirit uh, takes what you know that each one of us need to hear. And Lord, and each of us has heard from the Holy Spirit today. And we give you all of the glory and all of the praise for what you have done and what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. If there's anyone wants prayer for anything, come and we will pray with you. Lord bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. And I know that some of you have to pick up your kids. Amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.